didgeridoo means it's time for the Australia News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Oh, yeah, man. Dateline, October 15th, 2012. Oh, yeah. Grant, the offspring. Turn that noise down. What noise? This is good stuff, man. Keep them separated, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's good. It's sort of like, you know, it's giving me energy and vitalization to go and do things like jumping out of balloons at extremely high altitudes or getting up to speed with being an air traffic controller again. Well, yeah, I don't think you've become an air traffic controller, but uh, you know what, mate? Maybe you could go and work for the Air Force. Oh, the Air Force? But they don't go about separating. They want the blips to get closer together and go boom. Apparently so, after a near miss this week over Darwin. This report from ABC News. It began as a routine flight from Darwin to Melbourne, but shortly after takeoff, a Qantas plane came dangerously close to an incoming Qantas Link jet. According to the Defence Force, which oversees air traffic at Darwin, one of its controllers inadvertently put the two planes on a near collision course. A collision avoidance alarm went off in the cockpit as the controller issued new instructions to separate the aircraft. The timing would be uh, within a matter of seconds, but the pilots reacted uh, in time to avoid a tragedy. The Australian Transport Safety Bureau says there was no breakdown of separation standards, just a loss of separation assurance. But according to a News Limited report, the planes came perilously close. It quotes the first officer as saying it passed directly below us. I saw the traffic collision avoidance system display traffic 800 feet below. The captain adds, I calculated it must have got a lot closer. And I'll bet that was a very sanitised version of what was being said in that cockpit at the time, Grant. <laughs> very likely, mate, very likely. I think the uh, controller may have gone uh, and missed one little radio call, which is, you know, cleared hot, bogey in sight. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, of course, uh, we jokingly talk about uh, the Royal Australian Air Force air traffic controllers having a different role, that is to bring aircraft closer together. But uh, they do actually control some of the smaller uh, airports around the country, and most of those are, in fact, where uh, defence and civilian facilities are shared. Yeah, I don't know if Darwin would like to be called small, but... Uh, it, it's got defence and uh, a fair bit of international and uh, domestic commercial activity going on, but that's where the uh, RAFI ATC guys look after the airspace, providing approach and departure control and interacting with the other uh, air services controllers covering the um, en route areas. But uh, yeah, obviously in this case, things went a little wrong and that uh, air traffic controller has actually been stood down while they sorted all out. Now there is actually some talk around. We have uh, another incident that uh, occurred a week or two back at uh, Newcastle, which is uh, just north of Sydney there and is in fact co-located with RAF base Williamtown. So uh, it does become an issue from time to time. I think that, uh, you know, if they're going to be sharing civilian and uh, military facilities like this, I don't know how common that is over there in the US, to be honest. And as we mentioned the other week, Grant, uh, they are looking at perhaps doing that at RAF base Richmond up there in Sydney. So uh, it is certainly something that they need to sort out. Indeed. There is a uh, process underway at the moment where they're looking at uh, tighter integration between defence air traffic controllers and air services civilian ones. That's been going on for a while now and I believe we're about to get some new reports coming out on it. But uh, it's an interesting time to be sure. The uh, spotlight is focusing on air traffic control in general. So 
kind of similar to when Qantas is under the spotlight or in the States, American. Every little thing gets raised. I mean, this was definitely not a little thing in Darwin, but uh, it does get a, a bit more media attention than it might otherwise get at the moment because it's a topic of interest, we might say. Hmm, absolutely. And another topic of interest that we've mentioned uh, several times this year is the pending demise of the Flying Fruit Tingle. Well, at least that name, that's now happened. It's now Fiji Airways and their first A330 in the new Fiji Airways livery has been delivered. Indeed, mate. Uh, quite an indigenous design and uh, very cool. Like you'll see the uh, print style on many of their items of clothing and so on. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. It's uh, no more Flying Fruit Tingle. It's a good upgrade and I'm looking forward to seeing how Fiji Airways goes with this uh, new look and the new way of working. Absolutely, a new way of working and of course uh, bringing in the Airbus product itself is a new way of working because uh, you know they've always used Boeing products or at least they have in uh, recent history. Want something different to talk about on Monday? Get yourself a Jet Ride gift pack and tear through the skies at 900 Ks with Australia's ultimate jet fighter experience. Be top gun for the day. Go to jetride.com.au slash PCDU or in Australia call 1300 554 876. Grant, I wonder when they start flying those uh, A330s, whether they might actually fly it down here to Melbourne's newest uh, international airport at Avalon. Oh, we could only dream, mate. It would be good to have a, a quick departure to get over to Fiji, where it's a, a lot warmer than here at the best of times. Mm. But uh, Avalon as an international airport, it's going to be an interesting concept, that one. Yes, it was big in the news this week, Grant, that uh, Avalon Airport has now been given federal government approval to rebrand itself, if you like, and set itself up as uh, Victoria's second international airport. And this is fantastic news, in my opinion. For those of you who are not familiar with this area uh, down here in Victoria where, where we are in Melbourne that's the uh, capital of Victoria here our second biggest city is Geelong and they're about oh, I don't know what do you reckon Grant about 70 kilometres apart yeah about that seems like longer when there's a bit of a snarl but uh, yeah. a very busy highway between the two and Avalon is uh, a lot closer to Geelong than it is to Melbourne uh, which makes that a pretty good airport for people living out in the west of the state it saves about another hour of driving to get to an airport if you go to Avalon now, a lot of people living over in my side of the city always bemoan the idea that, oh, we have to drive all the way out to Avalon if we want to get a Jetstar flight, for example. Well, yeah, it is 55 kilometres southwest of the Melbourne CBD. However, Melbourne Airport itself, although closer, uh, is becoming uh, a lot more uh, frustrating to get to, not only because uh, you have to mortgage one of your kidneys just to pay for the parking, but also the the freeways that lead up to there are becoming ever more congested. So I think that uh, getting out there to Avalon, which is a former Defence Force facility and, in fact, is still owned by the Defence Department, but is now leased out by the government to a company here called Linfox. It's uh, got a lot of room to expand there. Uh, in fact, they're even talking about uh, getting federal government funding for a spur off the main uh, Melbourne-Geelong rail line, uh, which would give a uh, much-needed uh, rail link from uh, direct from the centre of Melbourne into that airport. If that happens, that's going to give it a major advantage over Melbourne Airport, that's for sure. Oh, indeed, mate, indeed. And uh, regardless, in this case, of having two international airports that are relatively easy to get to, they're still a lot easier to get to any airport than in Sydney. It's yet another step of Melbourne trying to take uh, commercial business away from the Sydney snarl. Yeah, I, I think uh, moving this uh, airport out and having a bit of competition to Melbourne Airport, who right now they've got pretty much all to themselves, that can't be a bad thing. Now, just quickly before we go, uh, the Qantas Emirates tie-up, uh, we've been talking about that a fair bit in the last month or two, and it looks like the uh, federal government has given it its official blessing. Yeah, mate, just when we thought we could get away with uh, no Qantas news, the government goes ahead and says, yeah, that's okay, you can go ahead with it. And of course, uh, they have been influenced by Alan Joyce at Qantas saying he has no plan B, and that if this doesn't go through, it's going to be bad news for Qantas. Uh, something we've heard a number of times from Qantas, and something I find quite odd that they're actually saying. It's almost like saying, hey, we're terrible 
clueless uh, management, we have no idea how to do stuff. We're putting all our eggs in this one basket. It's an odd way of doing business, but what the heck? It's Qantas, it's Emirates, it's going ahead. We'll uh, we'll see how it progresses as it leaps through other levels of approval. Well, that might be going ahead, Grant, but uh, something that's winding up is the Royal Australian Air Force uh, presence over there with its AP-3C Orions. They're all coming home. That's right. Ten years sitting over in the Middle East, providing uh, not so much maritime patrol, but more uh, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance services. And uh, they're coming home back to Australia at last. Now, they're based at uh, RAF Base Edinburgh over there in South Australia, and uh, they've been uh, operating over Iraq, Afghanistan, the Persian Gulf, the North Arabian Sea. And uh, according to this article here that we're reading in australianaviation.com.au, they've uh, even been uh, participating in uh, anti-piracy operations off Somalia. So uh, interesting stuff there, Grant. I think the thing that I find most interesting is that although this is a maritime aircraft and uh, curiously here operated by our Air Force and not the Navy, uh, they've actually been using it for other roles uh, besides maritime uh, operations. So it just goes to show uh, even though the uh, Orion platform is now getting a bit old, it's uh, still very versatile. Indeed, mate. Indeed. Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. Curiously, Grant, we're doing this on a Monday morning, which is very odd for us. We normally do this on a Sunday, so uh, it just feels not right. Well, that's because I was busy uh, flying balloons on Sunday morning and coming back from the countryside. Ah, well, and now you've got to go back to work to pay for it, so we better get on with it. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm the broke Grant McCarran. Southern Skies. Online Media.